I'm your host, Lillian Yang. And I'm your host, Fakri Shafai, and you are listening to Food Nonfiction. This is the story of how Las Vegas became a destination market for gambling, how the nature of destination markets created competition amongst the many casinos, how casino food amenities were used as a competitive tool, and how casino restaurants have changed over time from buffet to gourmet. In October of 1929, the stock market crashed. October 29th was the worst day of this crash. It was named Black Tuesday. On Black Tuesday, over 16 million shares were traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Billions of dollars were lost, and the economy was on a downward spiral into the Great Depression of the 1930s. So, in 1931, Phil Tobin, a 29-year-old freshman member of the Legislative Assembly, introduced a bill to legalize gambling in Nevada. He wasn't a gambler himself. In fact, he was a cowboy. But he knew that legalizing gambling would bring the state of Nevada some much-needed revenue. The revenue would come from gaming taxes. At this time, so in 1931, the Hoover Dam was scheduled for construction. It was built between 1931 and 1936. This meant that thousands of workers would be coming to Nevada. And these would be federal workers. So it was likely that a lot of the illegal casinos that were already running would be shut down. So instead of having the casinos shut down when the workers came, legalizing casinos would bring in a ton of tax revenue. Phil Tobin's bill made financial sense. So, on March 19th of 1931, the governor signed Assembly Bill 98 into law. Assembly Bill 98 legalized many gambling games, including blackjack, craps, slots, draw poker, roulette, and more. For the full list, just look at our show notes. The bill is also known as the Wide Open Gambling Bill. After World War II, there were strict gambling laws in most states. So, Nevada then really became the center of gambling in the U.S., especially, of course, in the Las Vegas Strip, which is, by the way, located south of the actual city of Las Vegas. The Las Vegas Strip was and still is a destination market. People travel there specifically to experience the gambling and entertainment. Destination markets offer a lot of the same thing. For example, you go to Hawaii to surf, so there are a lot of surfing schools and they need to compete with each other. Same thing with going to Las Vegas to gamble. There are so many places you can gamble that these places need to compete for your dollars. So casinos, over time, have offered more and more amenities. Casino resorts started popping up in the 1940s. You could go to a casino resort and not only gamble, but have your hotel, live shows, and food all in one place. Casino restaurants were designed to bring people to the casinos. The strategy back in the middle of the 20th century was to offer cheap food, sometimes even free food. The logic was that if you could offer great price value for food at your casino, then people might choose to come to your casino rather than go to a standalone restaurant or another casino. So casino restaurants used to operate as what is called loss leaders. 
Casino restaurants would lose a little money, but then gain that money back and more when customers played the gambling games. My name is Dave Schwartz. I direct the Center for Gaming Research at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Going back all the way in time, people have really associated gambling with food because when people have food there in the casino, they're going to gamble more. So you want to get them in there and keep them in there. So when did casinos first start offering food? Oh, this goes all the way back to the beginning. You know, and this is even before casinos were legal in Nevada. Because it's the nature of gambling, it's a business where you need time for that house edge to benefit the house. So if people just come in and gamble their money and win a lot of money and leave, that doesn't really help the casino. The casino wants them to stay there. So they will offer them things like food and entertainment to get them to stay longer in the casino. The first buffet on the Las Vegas Strip, which was the El Rancho Vegas' Buckaroo Buffet, back in the 40s was a dollar for all you could eat. They were cheap. But was this sound business logic? Operating a restaurant at a loss? I'm Sarah Tanford, Associate Professor of Hotel Administration at UNLV at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. I have seven years of work experience in the casino industry, also working for Harris Entertainment, which is now Caesars Entertainment. We asked Dr. Tanford because she's written papers like The Indirect Gaming Contributions of Cash and Compt Casino Dining, Does Providing Complimentary Meals Pay Off at the Slots?, and how restaurant variety indirectly impacts gaming for different casino-worth segments. And long, convoluted story short. Generally, yes. The research consistently shows that eating in the restaurants is associated with more gambling volume or revenue. There are two ways that having a restaurant at a casino can increase revenue. One is that the restaurant draws in more players. Two is that it gets each player to spend more while they're at the casino. Basically, you want people to come and then spend as much money as possible. Dr. Tanford's research looks at what happens when people have already come to the casino. I've done several studies and they all use a similar methodology, which is We take actual casino data on a daily basis and look at gambling spend and restaurant activity, so either restaurant revenue or the number of restaurant covers. And then we do what's called a time series regression analysis. Regression analysis allows researchers to control against other variables. For example, you might see an increase in gambling spending over the holidays that you shouldn't attribute to the casino's restaurant patronage, so you could control for that variable. When you control for a variable, you eliminate the effects that it contributes to your data. And the other nice thing about that analysis is it gives you an actual magnitude where you can translate it into dollars and say, you know, something like for every person who dined in the restaurant, the casino generated an extra $10 in slot revenue or whatever that value might be. Overall, we're looking at volume. What we find is that if people are eating more in restaurants, they're gambling more. The relationship between the number of people at casino restaurants and gambling activity changes depending on the market. A local market is all about the locals. So local markets are like a city, like Kansas City, that has a few casinos in the city. But it's not a gambling destination. Tourists don't go there to gamble unless they, you know, unless they happen to be there. And in that case, 
we find a stronger relationship because going to the restaurant can actually stimulate a gambling trip that would not occur otherwise. We've already mentioned destination markets, where tourists travel to experience something the destination specializes in. In a destination market for gambling, you have to have amenities such as restaurants in order to compete with every other casino around you. In destination markets, the one example is Laughlin, Nevada, Tunica, Mississippi, Shreveport, Louisiana. There's a cluster of casinos, and in that case, the restaurant can determine where they're going to spend their time. The Vegas Strip is the ultimate gambling destination. But the relationship between casino restaurants and gambling spending is different in Vegas. Certainly, your average Vegas casino restaurant is not operating at a loss. I mean, it's become one of the top restaurant cities in the world. So restaurants are sort of serving a different function than in the, the local and regional markets. The casinos don't care as much if they gamble because now in Las Vegas, close to 70% of the revenues are from non-gambling activities. This shift in Las Vegas from the days of cheap casino buffets designed for the convenience of gambling clients to high-end big profit restaurants has been gradual. In roughly 1990, the casinos got about 60% of their revenues from gambling, 40% from non-gambling. It's gradually gone from that to the exact opposite. So 65% from non-gambling, 35% from gambling. If you look at a graph of the two revenues, it just changes a little bit every year. I have been to a lot of Vegas buffets. They oh, are amazing. Really? Yeah, have you? I've only been to Vegas once. I absolutely despised it because it was so crowded and there was so much cigarette smoke that I couldn't breathe. Um... The buffets that I tried there, they were good, but it was really hard for me to get past the cigarette smoke because um, I have asthma from it. So it just kind of made me wheezy the whole trip. If you have any of your favorite buffets that you've been to in Vegas, we would love for you to post them on our Facebook page. Yeah, and let us know your experiences there. So that would be www.facebook.com slash foodnonfiction. If you haven't gotten a chance to rate us on iTunes yet, please do so. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, please write to us at feedback at foodnonfiction.com. Please review us. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.